Well, I memorized scriptures when I was a kid to get a candy bar. I don't know about you, but one day the light bulb went on that this was the word of God. I was presenting Satan, Jesus. As he recognizes Jesus, Jesus beat him and made a show of him openly, didn't he, at Calvary. That went on one day in my head that I, hey, it's not about the candy bar. It's about the weapon of my warfare that Jesus used when he was tempted right. for 40 days and 40 nights right. against Satan. And Satan left him for a more opportune time. You had a revelation. I had a revelation. <laughs> there you go. Welcome to the Totally Transformed podcast. My name is Lance Borden, and I'm here with my mom, Christian psychologist and author, Dr. Connie Borden. And we are continuing our series that we called 10 ways to stay free uh, last week. There'll actually be an 11th step that we're going to share with you um, at the, uh, as well. But um, we are wanting and hoping that you can capture these steps because if you will follow these steps, freedom can be yours through Jesus Christ, not because they're from us, but because they start with a revelation that you had mom years ago from the Lord of how to get free and stay free. And you were telling me before we started recording that you're, you're often um, amazed and wondering about why these steps are not taught more often and um, that we don't hear more about them because they're based in the word of God and they work. Right. Like in the series we just finished called uh, the myths of the soul. We covered how to determine the damage and what to do about it. If someone wants to go back and listen to those, if they didn't catch it the first time. And one of the things that you, we recognize and we taught is that you can think about what you're thinking about. You can recognize the five hours to victory to your thought life, or you can recognize it. But once you recognize it, you have to understand if it's evil, if it's negative, if it's pulling you down, if it's making you f- do be fearful, anxious, all that, you can take that thought captive, particularly if it was introduced to you through being wounded or rejected, that right. you are not a worthy individual loved by Jesus. Once you got saved, he died. If he would have just died for you and you are worthy, you don't have to be defined by other people. You're defined by him. And so any thoughts that don't define you according to the word as he would, you can take those captive, and according to Second Corinthians ten three through five, Satan is continually warring against a sound mind. Right, right, and even the world gets it. The mind is the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, sometimes we don't get it in the church because it dogs people what they think, imagine, and remember, especially if they've been, especially if they've been wounded in the past. Well, and we just accept our thoughts. Yeah. We just accept them. Yeah. If, if I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, right? Rather yeah. than taking an inventory of our thoughts to make sure that they are from the Lord or that they at least align with God's word. Right. And Satan, who wants to make you think thoughts that don't align with the word or make you feel defeated, is one of the three people talking to you. I think that's another thing. We never think that we talk to ourselves or we think to ourselves. And we either think truth or we think lies. Mm -hmm. You know, the world calls it uh, negative thinking. Why don't we just go to the juggler and call it lies? Because Satan is a father of lies. Right. He likes to lie to us. Right. 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 Okay. So a quick review, step one last week was continue to practice the steps to healing the soul, which we just covered in the previous 
podcast series. Number two was to submit to God. And we talked through James 4, 7 and Colossians 3, 5 and 6. Uh, step three was spend time in the word and prayer. And we talked about setting our mind on things above in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, setting our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Step four is to memorize and meditate on God's word. Um, and then step five was what to do when trials happen. And so if you didn't hear any, hear that podcast that was last time, um, go back and listen to those steps today. Wait, I just want to say one thing about another revelation. I think we read over it, Matthew 16, 33 in this world, you'll have trial and tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've devoided it of its ability to harm you. That's in the Amplified. In other words, we read that we'll have trials and we'll have persecution and we'll have um, discipline. But we don't get it that it's for our betterment if you're in Christ, if you're saved. So they throw us off our horse and we sometimes get mad at God or get mad at people or, you know, or what I told, excuse me, I told a client yesterday, get mad at Satan. You're allowed to be mad at him, Mm -hmm. you know, be mad at him. Right. But we get mad at the wrong source, even God sometimes. I mean, I I help people that are angry with God. Sometimes you do question God, but you shouldn't really question him for any of those negative things because they're all in his economy for your betterment. Right. We don't think of it that way. It's a paradigm shift, right? Right. Okay. All right. Number six is to repent quickly. And Romans 6 one through six says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That sounds really good. Wow. I wish that we could all get that. I like Hebrews twelve fifteen that says, look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. And this, I think, is revelation. We think of grace to be saved. You know, we've given you the grace to be saved, or or we think of grace, God has given you the grace. Uh, He is not the tempter. He'll give you grace lest you sin. But we don't think of it in, like this scripture, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Um, is that it? Yes. Many become defiled. And so the bottom line is grace, uh, the way I like to look at it is the ability to do in the supernatural, what you can't do in the natural grace is like greasing the wheel of an engine, the parts so they don't grind. So I think according to Hebrews 12, 15, do not another script, another scripture amplified says, do not fail to obtain it. The grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, any root of anxiety, any root of fear, any root of control, control, any root of whatever is bothering you and you need grace, you know, just as long as you recognize it and you're pursuing righteousness and you're asking Jesus for help may take a while, 
to get rid of your strongholds that we've talked about in Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. But you will gradually become more like Christ because that is the process of sanctification that happens after you're saved. If you're pursuing the Lord in the ways we're talking about today, right? Yeah. And interesting in that verse to me is how the root of bitterness that can, that if we're not careful, can take root. Um, it defiles many, right? So we're talking about an impact outside of ourselves. Um, if we don't, if we do fall short of the grace of God, if we don't, um, come to him, repent, receive the forgiveness that we need bitterness, you know, can form within us and affect others, our children, our spouses, our other family members. Well, when you think of planting plants, if you have a bunch of roots of weeds, it'll snatch out the root, even though you have a root in the ground of a beautiful flower, it will overtake it. And I think Matthew 13, when it says people have no root in themselves, I think that's one of the reasons Satan takes over because the root Another root is the root of Jesse referring to Jesus. So if the root, you have no root in yourself because you're wounded and all this stuff of bitterness and anger and all this stuff that emanate from wounds, pus and uh, greed and jealousy and competition and all that comes out of that, then the root of Jesus might not be able to take root deeply in your heart. Yeah. I think that's what Matthew 13 is talking about. It also talks about the less flesh, less die, the boast of pride of life. All these things can crowd out the root of Jesus so that the seed, in which in this case is the word, lays on the rocky soil, and the birds of the air come and snatch it away before it takes root right. to bear fruit. Right. Yeah. So it's to our benefit to repent, turn from our sin and get out from under it or get away from it so that it doesn't prevent good fruit from being able to yeah. come from our lives. Uh, step seven is to think about what you're thinking about. I guess we are, we did cover, we are covering this a little bit more. Yeah. Like I was talking to before we started. Yeah. Right. Think about what you're thinking about. Yeah. Um, we have a resource, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast called The Five R's to Victory in Your Thought Life, which, uh, as we've said before, is available at our website, totallytransformed.org. If you click on the archives tab, you can download a PDF of it. But taking that inventory of what you're thinking about is so important. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. That's interesting how it says every thought. What's, what's the high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God if it isn't the satanic realm? Satan and his demons. He argues with you to not want to be successful, to not let you be successful, to not let you be whole, to not let you feel loved, to not let you feel accepted. Who's going to be arguing with you? You can argue with yourself if you think of Satan's arguments, if you take them to heart. But casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, I think that's profound. Yeah. Do you ever argue with yourself? I do. Yep. You know, like, 
oh, Jesus loves me today. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, <laughs> I think I'll argue with that concept because <laughs> I don't feel like he loves me today. Well, then you either accept the word as true and everything is false because that's what the word also says. Everything will pass away, but not one jot or tittle of his word will pass away. Why? Because he is the word, John 1, 1. But sometimes we argue with that. Yeah. Those truths. And we try to inflict our own worldly truths or Satan's truth or what somebody else told us mm-hmm. or what we believe from what somebody else told us. Mm-hmm. You, the problem is, as we've talked about before, as Dr. Carolyn Leaf's research has pointed out, you literally make neural pathways or dents in your brain, which if you think of your brain as wax, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, making a groove. And so your thoughts, your neural pathways automatically come back to that dent to not make the dent deeper. You need to quit thinking that way and make a new dent in the word of God in truth. And then your automatic thoughts will go to that according to her scientific research. So this just isn't some spiritual theory. She wrote, who turned off your brain and who turned on your brain? If you'd like to have the full orb discussion from her, you can get those book at Amazon by Dr. Carolyn Leaf, MD, L-E-A-F, just like it sounds, Leaf. Yeah. She's a great resource. Um, uh, also, obviously, sometimes we ourselves um, provide, you know, negative thoughts just out of our own sin nature, right? Yeah, right. Um, so First Corinthians 10 says, um, starting in verse 12, therefore let, sorry, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And there's another uh, verse that um, I was hoping to find that talks about how when we're when we sin, we're dragged away and enticed by our own sin nature, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. We can't blame anybody else, in other words, for Except our own Adam. sin, right? Well, <laughs> right, but it's, but we have his sin nature yes. as a result of his sin that we're responsible for, and so. This verse, 2 Corinthians 10 through 5, says, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That may be something that comes from yourself, too, in addition to coming from Satan, because we have a sin nature, right? Right. Your sin nature is directly related, and its strength is directly proportional to number six. In other words, the more we build our spirit, or seven rather, about thinking about what you're thinking about, the more you build your spirit to think about the Word of God, as we're talking about weeds and roots, the more your natural inclination to be sinful is weeded out, unless you keep putting negative input in, because computer brain, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? You have to be, if you're being transformed, you're being formed or transformed from something else that was not in alignment with Christ. Right. And so if that's happening and you are working with the Lord and the principles we're teaching in the word, then you should get, and according to what Dr. Carolyn Leaf has said and other people, we should get better and better at not giving into our sin nature through the, through our own discipline, right. And through the power 
an authority of the Lord in scriptures like we've supposed to supposedly put all that to death. And then I think the scripture you just uh, said, um, there's no temptation given to you. Except this is common to man. But and doesn't it say by his grace or God will help you through what's the rest it of says, But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And I think the way of escape in the Amplified says through his grace again, through his grace, his mercy, his power, ability to do in the supernatural, which you can't do in the natural. I love step eight which is guard your heart. This is one that we have taught our children from a young age, Proverbs 4.23, which says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Another translation says, guard your heart for out of it flow the wellsprings of life. And it's so important for us. So we were just talking about taking an inventory of our thoughts and making sure that they're in alignment with God and that we're taking captive every thought that is not obedient uh, and making it obedient to Christ. At the same time, I think we have to make sure that our heart doesn't go after things and that we're not allowing things into our heart that um, are not in alignment with God's word. And there's so many sources of evil that want to have a chance at our heart right? Sin crouches at the door. It's desire is for you, but you must master it. And like we've said many times before, whether it be music and the lyrics to a song, and you can't tell me that you just like the beat to a song and the lyrics aren't getting into your heart because words are powerful. The power of life and death is in the tongue or whether it be a movie um, that, that has content in it that is not in alignment with God's word or that puts thoughts in our mind that entices us towards sin or whether it be social media where we're looking at other people and their lives and, oh, you know, the highlight reel of they've got everything seemingly together, which is never the case, but it looks like it is. And, or, wow, they look really good. And suddenly you're looking at, you know, people of the opposite sex. That's not your spouse. All of those things can have such a a negative impact on our hearts. There may be sources of thoughts or things that might be pouring into our hearts that we need to cut off to prevent our heart from going after evil, sin, and the things of this world. You know, what's really hard as you're talking about that, I mean, you know, we have a resource called VidAngel. So there's so many good movies. Good is debatable. You can take out the vulgarity. You can take out any illicit sex. You can take out even violence. But I don't know. From time and eternity, take Disney uh, that is certainly turned made a left turn. Um, but from the beginning, um, with all the you know fairy tales and everything, there's always an evil. Right. There's always an evil in a story. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. When you stop and think about it, I don't. I mean, what do we, I mean, do we just live in a bubble? (laughs) I mean, that's what you kind of think because I mean, it it is enjoyable to watch movies and even if you try to to prepare for it, but I mean, you really have to be on number eight, guarding your heart. I don't know. Sometimes I've, I mean, one time in our life when we were maybe your age or younger, I think younger than you, maybe in our late thirties, we got rid of our television completely. We did not have a TV. We had bought a beautiful case 
Spanish case. I mean, it was like the latest. It had a TV. It had a turntable then, a V8 player. And uh, we just decided, and I think through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we didn't keep it gone forever. We finally got a little one, and then we graduated back into it. But I think the time period did help us. Well, I think that's where the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit comes in, yeah. right? Where you, you cannot completely, I don't think, remove every potential for you know a negative scene in your life. I mean, eventually something's going to come across your eye path, even if you scrub clean every source that's in your home, but being sensitive to which sources am I dwelling on? Which ones are filling my heart? For example, give you an example. There's a reason why we don't have our kids watch scary movies. Why? Because what will happen? They'll come down to your room at 3 a.m. because they've had a bad dream with the content of the dream being the scary movie that they just watched the night before, right? Yeah. That is kind of seems kind of innocent and cute on one level. On the other hand, our hearts are just as penetrable as a child's heart. Exactly. In fact, you are exhorted to have a heart like a child, Right. right? And so you have to be able to look at, take an inventory again. You know, this comes with the intentionality that we're exhorting ourselves and everyone that's listening to us today to do is... Are the things you're watching creating a negative influence in your heart where you're dwelling on negative thoughts, you're tempted towards things that you know are not right because of the scene you saw last night, et cetera, et cetera, because that may not be the same thing for everyone. I don't think you can blanketly say you shall not watch any any of this type of movie or you shall never go to this theme park or you shall never listen to this music group 100% of the time. But you do have you are responsible to know what your quote unquote triggers are for things that are not of the Lord and maybe leading you down a path towards making it easier for you to stray. I guess what I'm saying that even if you take out the biggies you know, illicit sex or nudity or vulgarity, taking the Lord's name in vain, uh, a lot of violence, everything you watch, like we watched a movie about World War II recently, took all that out. You you are going to, and I think you made a key point there, do you dwell on it? Right. Well, no. But I guess, you, I mean, history is history. Um, and it was pretty horrific what happened in World War II with the atom bomb. So I don't know. It's just a, a thought as we're doing this radio show, unless you get out. But I think the key is if you're meditating on the word often and always and consistently as much as you're meditating on or much more than anything like that, you're not going to consistently, like you say, meditate there or choose evil, choose flat sin. Mm-hmm. You can't stay completely away from an evil war where Satan's in control. Let's face it. He's in control of this world. We're in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Step nine is put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians six ten through 18 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 
Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You know, when we actually started doing that, and when I actually started doing that, uh, some people might say, as your daily regimen, I hope not, it could seem regimental. All I'm saying is that when you think about each part of that armor and what it brings to you, like your helmet of salvation, and the helmet of in this era had ear flaps, Satan, like we are talking about earlier, tries to talk to you through your ears as well as other people. But it's a helmet that your salvation covers your head, covers your ears. If you think about all that, that's your, where your mind is, that we've defined uh, that things, imagines, and remembers. Um, it is covered through the blood of Jesus, through salvation. And if you go through every piece like that, and it's not just a rote thing, I think that we should probably do it. I mean, I don't do it every day. It doesn't seem like I've been doing it recently now that I'm thinking of it. But there was a time that I did it every day recently in the last, you know, few years. I'm going to go back to that because I feel like it says to the Lord and to the enemy that you, when your feet hit the deck, you're in a spiritual battle and you are equipped for it in faith and agreement. Yep. And uh, I know we teach our kids that, but I think we kind of take it for granted. And I'm not saying you can't, you, you, you're not necessarily not protected if you don't do it. But I think it's just another reiteration of who we are. It's know? getting your mind right. It's focusing you on the resources that you have in the Lord. Yeah. Um, when we pray through it, you know, I, I um, like to do more than just say I put on the helmet of salvation. Like you said, I like to say, thank you, Lord, that I'm, that I'm saved and mm-hmm. that, um, and I choose to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Like you were saying, cause it's my head. Or when I put on the breastplate of righteousness, I like to pray, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins so that I could be forgiven right. so that I could be righteous, you know, and really engaging your mind with each piece of the armor and making it purposeful as far as how you're going to live that day. I mean, another one's the, you know, the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm going to walk in peace today with everyone that I come in contact with. I'm going to take up the sword, the word of God hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I put up the shield of faith in front of me and my entire family. I have faith that no weapon formed against us today can prosper. And I put on the belt of truth. I'm only going to believe truth. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy today. You know, and praying through those things, you know, we, we lead our kids a lot in praying that prayer. Often, we, we, we often do it on the way to school, just about every time we go to school. Um, we almost, it almost feels like we're not wearing our seatbelt if we don't do it on the way to school. <laughs> Which is a good, a good thing yeah. to feel. Yeah, and, and I'll have the, I'll ask the kids, hey, does anybody want to lead us in the armor today? And they'll pray through it. And as they get older, they learn how to pray into the pieces of the armor more than just naming each piece of the armor, which I think is just part of growing up and understanding what it really means. Yeah. I was, uh, the verse 11 says the wiles of the devil put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then 13 says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I think this day is evil. Having done all to stand, 
you know, Second Corinthians two eleven says, "Do not be ignorant of his schemes and devices." Talking about Satan, you could say wiles, you could say whatever we said right here. And you know, when you do that with your children, they may not. They children don't necessarily get the whole concept. But when you keep doing something like that, one day they'll get a revelation. The light bulb goes on, right? It does. And so even though it's a practice with them, they will start implementing the meaning. I mean, you know, I memorized scriptures when I was a kid to get a candy bar. I don't know about you, Mm. but one day the light bulb went on that this was the word of God. I was presenting Satan, Jesus. And he understood Jesus. He recognizes Jesus. Jesus beat him and made a show of him openly, didn't he, at Calvary. So... That went on one day in my head that I, it's not about the candy bar. It's about the weapon of my warfare that Jesus used when he was tempted right. for 40 days and 40 nights right. against Satan. And Satan left him for a more opportune time. Right. If you wonder if he's trying to find an opportune time you in had, your life, he is. You had a revelation. I had a revelation. <laughs> there you go. That's what happens with the word. Yep. It's a logos word, which mm-hmm. means it's just... The word, the, the ordinary word, and that it becomes a rhema or a revelation, which means you believe it. Mm-hmm. And what you can conceive to believe you will achieve is even the world says that, right? Yep, right. Step 10 is to fellowship with like-minded. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You know, this is a big one in this day and age where online church has been made so available, which is great when you're sick or great when you're on vacation, um, you know, but the majority of the time we should be gathering with other believers to encourage one another to see one another, to, you know, because our friends and family, they can read on us if something's not right, right? If we're isolated, that can't happen, right? And, and or, and also I should say, when you go to church, you have the opportunity to pray with someone usually, like our, our church invites people to come forward for prayer um, after the sermon every day so that you can process with someone else whatever it is the Lord is speaking to you about or pray for your pray for your healing or pray for your relationships or whatever it may be. It's just so important to gather together and encourage one another in the Lord. Well, I can't disagree with anything you said there for 70, about one years. I was in the church every time it opened, just about uh, ran life groups, uh, leadership, you name it. Um, one thing that's happening today because of COVID, um, you mentioned it, people got used to staying at home and you can get the word. Uh, it's important to be connected with a church and hearing the word every day. I talk to people quite often that are disillusioned because they can't seem to feel like they're part of the body of Christ that is tracking with what they need to track with today. And so that doesn't mean you don't go and you don't fellowship, but it might mean that you want to, um, I, my dad used to call it cruisomatics. You go around to different churches and I'm not advocating that, but when you're home, you can hear other people that are maybe more on the money than your pastor every uh, Sunday at your church. So I'm not going to condemn anybody. I mean, I, you know, 
Um, if they don't do that, it is do not forsake the fellowshipping. You can fellowship around your TV and worship with your spouse. If you're alone, you probably shouldn't do that. Bottom line is, yes, I hear what you're saying there. It depends on whether that that is um, what you're saying, building. Does it build you in quality? And it's and what I'm trying to tell you is like, for example, I led a client to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She's in a quandary right now because she's been part of a Baptist church that doesn't believe that. And her husband is a deacon there and they're very ingrained in that church. They go every Sunday, but she's not fed there. So you have to find the place where you're also fed according to what your calling is. And that's hard. If you can't find that, she keeps going to that church because that's where everybody knows her. I get what you're saying. You got to find it. In my opinion, you got to go find it, right? Well, if you try to find it and you can't find it, I think there comes a time in your life that potentially you can survive without it. I'm not advocating that, but I, there was a time in my life if I didn't go to church every week or I wasn't in a life group or something, I might fall away. I really, really needed it. And I'm not saying we ever arrive. Paul didn't even arrive. But uh, there's other thoughts about that, um, according to the season of your life that you're in. Like, for example, my sister, she doesn't go to church. She can't. She watches it on TV. She's in pain. She, it's hard for her to walk. It's been hard for me uh, lately uh, with some things I've been experiencing with my back. So anyway, I just, just don't make it judgmental, okay? That's all I'm saying, though it's scriptural. Step 11 is to practice God's presence. John 15, 1 through 11 says, I am the vine. Sorry, starting in, well, that's, that's not 1 through 11, is it? Yeah, it is. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You know what's great about a number 11 i used to ask the lord about that scripture pray without ceasing how can you do that well i think you have a devotional time you have a practice time in the word and all that but literally i think you can be an attitude of god's presence most of the day when your mind's not on something else also people are praying all around the world because there's different time zones But it's exciting to think that unless you do something to separate yourself from the presence of God, sin without repentance, because that's what I think sin is, separation from God, that you can be basically aware of his presence. Yeah, it's really, again, back to Colossians 3, setting your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. 
you can choose, I believe, to turn your mind back to the Lord throughout your day. And, and I would like for my, I would like to do that more and be reminded of that more because the more I do that, the more I'm going to be successful in see in walking with the Lord and tracking with the Lord. It's hard to get over into sin or to slip into sin if your mind is on the Lord, right? Yeah. And to your point, there's a lot of people that are, or to a point you previously made are they, they only turn their mind to the Lord when they're in church or it's like they have a religious lane right. and a worldly lane. I think if you have a relationship, you should have a, not religious. I don't like religious the word of spiritual lane that you're always with him and he's always with you as well as like-minded yeah. Christians. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was the 11th step there, um, partly because the first step was to make sure you are, go back and you practice the steps uh, to healing the soul. Because so, we just did that series. Right. Yeah. And so um, 10 steps became 11. But um, hopefully that's helpful to you. We'd encourage you again to go back and listen to the first five steps if you haven't. And these are the ways to stay free. And um, in 2024, you can be free set free by Jesus Christ. You can be healed and you can stay that way. Trust me, you're going to need to continually take an inventory to make sure that you're staying free because the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, uh, it's, you know, just because you come to Jesus doesn't mean you now are coasting and you're, you have a free ride. Right. right? I wish, I wish that you arrived at perfection but you arrive at a perfect heart, which for the moment you're not walking in known sin without repentance and you're not wounded. So you're trying to make up for those wounds and reactionary. That's where I think the best, we're more like Jesus today or more like him than yesterday and not as much as tomorrow. And I think as long, if, even if we're talking to you and you're working through some things, let's say you're working through some things of strongholds or addiction or uh, the world attracts uh, you more than you like it to be as long as you're working pursuing righteousness because you've already been made righteous by the blood of the lamb through salvation as long as he's savior and lord you submitted your will to him and you're working out of the flesh you're working out of strongholds you're work you're being sanctified little bit more every day because that is a lifetime process it's not instant like justification and glorification and we will arrive at perfection when we pass into glory that's right eventually but on yeah. this earth keeping a perfect and he heart will be the key. one that'll tell you right. uh you know did you were you obedient or disobedient the holy spirit will convict you um if you are keep practicing his presence of what you need to do or not need to do right right so let's pray and seal this uh, before the Lord. So Lord, we just ask that you would seal these steps and the revelations that we had um, talking and listening uh, today to this podcast. I pray God that you'd help us to apply these steps, that you'd help us to take an inventory of our lives and really listen, Holy Spirit, to what you're saying to us um, in each one of these uh, steps. We want to be free. We want to stay free. I again pray for those that are seeking freedom that are not yet unbound. I pray God that you would set them free and that they would walk in newness of life. And that 2024 would be the greatest year they've ever had because they've been set free by you. They've been healed and now they're walking in freedom and staying free. Lord, we thank you for your word that is sharper than any two edged sword. I pray that it would do its work in the hearts and minds of everyone that's listening to us here today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, thank you for joining us on the Totally Transformed podcast. Come back next time when we talk about another topic related to healing and freedom. Mm-hmm.